You know, there is no closer association than that of being seated at the dinner table with somebody or that of being at a banquet. Sitting there with others, enjoying companionship and camaraderie and conversation. Now, when you think about being at a banquet or being at the dinner table, how many of us have ever had the opportunity to sit at a table with the heads of state? Can you imagine the thrill if tomorrow morning in the mail you got some very official looking correspondence. Not just the -the run-of-the-mill form correspondence, but something that was very official, very personal, with a return address of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue on it. Something official, but at the same time, personal. And opening the envelope, you would find a you had a personal invitation from the President of the United States. And you've been invited to a banquet. And not just a banquet with 50 or 60 tables set up in the state dining room. You're going to be at a table, sitting at the table with the President of the United States. Folks, regardless of our politics, I think most of us would be ecstatic. I think those of you that know me know that if Joe Biden and I sat down and talked politics, there would probably be exactly nothing that he and I would agree on. But he's still the President of the United States. How many of you have ever been invited to a banquet to sit at the table with the President of the United States? No, me neither. I would accept that invitation. We would make arrangements to be there. You know something else we'd do? We'd make sure our friends knew we were going too, wouldn't we? I'd even call Leon and say, Leon, you need to put a little blurb in the light champion that I've been invited to dinner at the White House. I'd want everybody to know about it. What would be important enough to keep you away from a banquet like that? But here's the thing, folks. You and I have an invitation to a banquet every week that is far more significant than that. We have an invitation to a banquet every week that's more noteworthy and more significant than any banquet that's ever been held or ever will be held in the White House or Buckingham Palace or anywhere else in this world. And the host at the weekly banquet you and I are invited to is more important than the Queen of England and more important than the President of the United States, no matter who it might be. Because you and I 
have a standing invitation to a banquet from the King of Kings every Lord's Day. Jesus wants us every Lord's Day to assemble around this table for a memorial feast. Now, to folks that are accustomed to measuring the value of something by the standards of worldly wisdom, the Lord's Supper that we observed a few moments ago does not command any respect. But this simple memorial feast was something that was started by Jesus Christ to commemorate His death and His suffering. Now let's be real about this. In all fairness... When we think of such simple elements as unleavened bread and fruit of the vine, and we think of those as a memorial to the Savior of the world, it does seem so small, doesn't it? And it does seem so inadequate, doesn't it? What do you think of when you think of memorials? When we think of memorials... Perhaps we think of some of the great memorials in Washington, D.C. Maybe we think of the Lincoln Memorial or the Washington Monument or the Jefferson Memorial. Those come to mind immediately. Here in Texas, we think of shrines like the Alamo or the San Jacinto Monument. If you go to Vicksburg, Mississippi, they have a huge battlefield there where the Battle of Vicksburg was fought during the War of Northern Aggression. And you've got monuments there to slain soldiers from various states from both the north and the south. You go to Hawaii, and there's the Arizona Memorial to commemorate those that lost their lives in that December 7th attack in 1941 when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. New York City has a memorial to the victims of September 11th, 2001. All over the world, there are magnificent memorials. Memorials erected to commemorate great people and to commemorate great events. But what I want us to do for a few moments today, I want us to focus our attention on the greatest memorial that ever existed. The memorial that we refer to sometimes as the communion service. The memorial we refer to sometimes as the Lord's Supper. The appointment that we have every week to eat at the King's table. You know, Jesus could have chosen something else. Jesus could have chosen diamonds and jewels and rich treasures of the earth, gold and silver to memorialize Him. Jesus is worthy of that. He's worthy of diamonds and jewels and rubies and gold and silver to remember Him. Because all the treasures on this earth belong to the Lord. 
and any treasure you and I could gather and bring to Him and place at His feet would be insufficient to express the majesty and the glory of Jesus, the Son of God. But I want you to think about this. What if Jesus had said, You bring diamonds and jewels and gold and silver and the rich things of this earth, and you place those at my feet as a memorial. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd be left out of that. And the great majority of earth's race would be unable to observe the memorial to the Lord. If Jesus had requested or demanded diamonds and gold and silver and rubies and and great treasures, the majority of earth's race would have been cut off altogether. You go back and you read the Gospels. When Jesus was on this earth, who heard Him gladly, does it say? It says the common people heard Him gladly. That's people like me. And that's people like you. It's the people that Abraham Lincoln said one time, God must have really loved common folks because He made so many of them. But common people that heard Jesus gladly, if He had instituted a memorial that precluded them are those of modest means from worshiping and serving Him, that would have been out of character and unlike anything Jesus Christ ever did. So Jesus erected a memorial that could be observed by everyone. Because even the poorest of this world's goods can have unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. All men and all women, rich and poor, great and small, can gather around a table somewhere. And gathered there, they can find some unleavened bread and some fruit of the vine and observe the memorial feast that Jesus Christ instituted. We're very indebted to Dr. Luke, who wrote the narrative of Paul's missionary journeys. And he tells us in the book of Acts that on Paul's third missionary journey, Paul stopped in the city of Troas. And he waited there a period of seven days. He waited there so that he could worship with the saints of God at Troas on the Lord's day. And Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 says, Upon the first day of the week when we were gathered together, to break bread. Paul discoursed with us, intending to depart on the morrow. The practice of the early church was the regular weekly observance of the Lord's Supper. Not monthly, not quarterly, not annually, weekly. That's indicated in the inspired scriptures. It's indicated even more extensively in the uninspired writings of the early church leaders. And it is right that we should continue this practice. The Apostle Paul wrote probably 
the most meaningful passage in the New Testament about the Lord's Supper. Paul had established the church at Corinth. Establishing that church, he gave them oral instructions concerning the memorial meal. And then he wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 30. I've received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. What does it say there? It says about Jesus and the sufferer, it says, and when he had given thanks. As we gather around this table, and as we observe the memorial feast at the king's table, we look upward to God in gratitude. We thank God for the unleavened bread, and we thank God for the fruit of the vine. But that unleavened bread and that fruit of the vine are only emblematic of the body and blood of my Lord Jesus Christ. And we look beyond those emblems. And we give thanks for the wounded body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks for the blood that flowed down His side when that spear thrust into His heart. Through the unleavened bread and through the fruit of the vine, we should learn to see Jesus Christ. Looking upward to God in gratitude and looking backward to that cross on Calvary's hill, we see a memory of a suffering Savior. What do we see with unleavened bread and fruit of the vine as it represents the body and the blood of the Lord? We see Jesus employing a principle that every one of us in this room is familiar with. He uses material elements of little or absolutely no value monetarily for the sake of memory. Every one of us has something at home that belonged to a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle that we treasure. And many of the things that we treasure have little or no value whatsoever. What would you give me for a vacuum tube plastic or Bakelite vacuum tube radio that doesn't work? I've got one. Because it sat on the bookcase in the hall at my grandmother's house. And I can remember spending the night over there and listening to it in the morning. 
This is Porter Randall with TSN News. How many of you remember that? Oh, come on. Don't tell me somebody doesn't remember Porter Randall and Texas State Network News. Thank you. Somebody raised a hand. I don't know if they really do or just felt sorry for me, but I, I got a hand on that. I keep that radio because it reminds me of waking up early in the morning at grandmother's house and hearing the news. What would you give me for a black rotary dial telephone with no cord that doesn't work? Got one in my office. It used to sit on the desk at Perkins Lumber Company. I've also got a fan in there that doesn't even have a motor in it anymore, but it looks nice. Now, you can laugh at me, but every one of you has something just about that valuable at your house somewhere. All of us have sentiment that we see attached to things of little or absolutely no value. Things that we cherish only for the sake of memory. I could tell you about a cross-cut saw, a two-man cross-cut saw I've got. But it doesn't work either. The motor's gone. That was a joke. But here's the thing. We have these things of little or no value we keep from memory. So I come to the table. I come to the table with just a little piece of bread and a little bit of the fruit of the vine. And they have absolutely no value at all in themselves. And it's not that I have faith in those emblems. But those emblems cause me to remember Calvary. Those emblems call me, cause me to hear the Jewish rabble. Those emblems help me to hear them say, Give us Barabbas. Let him, let Jesus be crucified. I can look back by an eye of faith as I take those emblems and I can see those Roman soldiers nailing my Lord to that cross. I can hear the thud as that cross drops into that hole in the ground when they stand it erect. Through these emblems, I see my Lord and my Savior hanging there on that central cross. The sun was darkened. The moon turned to blood. The earth trembled. The angels groaned. God turned His head and my Lord and my Savior died there. On Calvary's hill. For me. What's on the front of that table? This do. In remembrance. Of me. Jesus said. I ought to gladly do it for him. But how? In the name of Israel's God. Can I remember Jesus when my mind is filled and cluttered with the affairs of this life? When I'm thinking about the price of gasoline or what's on sale in the stores. Or when I'm thinking about what's going to be for lunch and when am I going to get out of here and get to eat it? Or worse still, when my heart is filled with malice, hatred, jealousy, and ill will. How can I remember Jesus when all these other things are cluttering my mind? We look backward in memory, but we should also look outward. 
Because when we partake of that feast, we proclaim to the world the dying love of Jesus Christ. What do you say? As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we eat at the King's table, we preach the Gospel. Because we proclaim to the world faith in the fundamentals. In partaking of the Supper, we silently proclaim to our friends the death of Jesus Christ. But we also look forward in anticipation. You do show forth the Lord's death. When? Till He comes. The people of God are a forward-looking people. A people with a wonderful future. A people whose Lord and Savior Jesus has gone to prepare a mansion for us on the other side. And we eat this supper with a great expectation. With our faces toward the future. We look backward to Calvary and remember His suffering. We look forward to the future, to His coming again and receiving us unto Himself as the Bible says. And we look inward. Paul said, let a man examine himself. Am I in the kingdom? That's where the table is. Do I know the Lord? Have I known the Lord? If I've never known Him, how can I remember Him? Am I clean? You know, one thing we've learned over the past year, you've got to wash your hands. And you've got to wash them and wash them. And then you've got to use a lot of lotion. How unbecoming to eat with filthy hands. As I partake of this, am I clean? Am I cleansed by the blood of Jesus as I take that supper? This supper that we observed a few moments ago, it's a memorial service. It's a communion with Jesus Christ. It's a reconsecration service. It's a proclamation of His coming again. It's a fellowship service. It's something we ought never neglect. When the Lord's day comes, we ought to be here to eat at the King's table. That table belongs to the Lord. It's a way station on the road from time to eternity. It's a place where we pause. And renew our strength. We renew our faith. We commune with the Lord. Is it important to you? Does the suffering Savior mean anything to you? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? Are there changes that you need to make in your life for Jesus to be the Lord of your life? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the needs of your life might be. But if there are changes that need to be made for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, for that communion service, for that Lord's Supper to eat, for eating at the King's table to mean what it ought to mean, this is your opportunity to let the changes that you want to make be made known to us as together we stand and while we sing.